Hello. Hey, friends. How's it going? Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. I am Haley with my regular guest hosts, Charlie and Miguel. And we have a special guest today, Mandy, um, who you all have heard me definitely talk about before. She runs the show for Happy Happy Houseplant and uh, really built her business, starting kicking off with her blog, Vintage Revivals, which has been very successful over the years. So we get to have a really awesome guest today I'm very excited about. And yeah, how's everyone doing today? Doing good. good. So excited to be here. I mean, anytime I like get to hang out with Haley, I'm like, yep, sign me up. I'll be working with. I was saying um, before we started recording that I was trying to position where I'm sitting today to cover there's a yellow leaf on the Monstera behind me um, that I was embarrassed for Mandy to see because I do follow her Instagram account and take her plant care advice and clearly didn't do well with this one. I embrace yellow leaves like all day long. I n- actually never take yellow leaves off of my plants. I wait for the plants to like naturally release them. And so I'm like, good, you have a yellow leaf. Your plant is growing and doing good. Since we're sharing plant failures, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon here. Uh, so I build, I build shelves for plants. I don't actually do the plant thing. That's my <laughs> wife's realm. But there is one cactus that I have on my desk and it died. And I got really sad because I realized that I was less nurturing than a desert. Okay. No, (laughs) Mandy and I have had this conversation a lot of times. It is, that is fake news. Cactuses are not, it is not easy to keep cactuses alive. So just like that's fake news. I specifically picked a cactus because I'm like, there's no way I can murder this damn thing. But I feel like, especially Miguel, where you have so much humidity, like, uh, I don't think cactus, especially if it's like a desert cactus, I mean, it's okay. Everyone's just yeah. figuring it out. I mean, he hung in there. He died way slower than most of the, the things. The other plants. <laughs> which I, I don't know if that's a positive or not, to be honest. Uh, I gave it a slow, grueling death. I think that that's why people are like, oh, they're so easy. Not because they're like, taking care of them the right way because cactus needs like the most intense light, but because they just die slower than (laughs) other people. They're like, I'm succeeding. I specifically pick something that thrives on neglect. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Every cactus I have ever had has died, everyone. And what happens is, is they just slowly shrivel and they get like mold in the inside. It's just, you know. Gross. I am not a cactus. Me neither. Lover. So I like don't even really, I don't even think I have any cactus. Yeah, so I don't have any advice. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, let's kick us off with uh, our first segment of the day. Um, have you heard? And I am going to start today. Um, as you know, the segment is just where we say um, a quick, something quick that's happening in the creator economy that we all should know about. And as the world knows, Ukraine is being invaded by Russia and there is so much news and so much information about it. And it feels like impossible to retain it all and to keep up and to understand. And one of my favorite content creators of all time, you've heard me talk about her several times. Her name is Sharon McMahon. Uh, Sharon says so is her Instagram handle. I was actually saying earlier, I think Mandy is the one that actually introduced me to her maybe when she was like 20,000 followers, but her content right now is something that the entire world just like needs to 
to have access to, to see, to understand what's going on. It's really consumable. It's, it helps you understand the history of why things are happening. And I think she's just uh, a content creator that's doing really good, important and necessary work for the world. Um, so if you need a resource, she is a fantastic resource. I will say one other, one other um, resource on this topic is actually the daily podcast with what's his name? What's his name? Someone help me out. Michael Barbaro. From the New York Times? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, he had a really good episode a few weeks ago that described um, Putin's address like on month, I think it was a, it was right before they invaded. Um, and he, they, they kind of work through the address when they took over the national airways to describe it. And um, he explained like pretty much all of the historical context as to why Russia felt that they could or should invade Russia. So that's another really good educational resource if anyone is interested. Charlie. I'm going to say mine is like so superficial compared to what you shared. Cause yeah, I love seeing creators really step up and I don't know, like curate the news and things like this during this time when there is so much happening. But um, my have you heard for us today is that TikTok is expanding into long form videos. Um, you're going to be able to upload TikToks of up to like 10 minutes in length, I think is is what they're planning for. And maybe some accounts already have it. Um, haven't don't quite know that much, but it's just interesting that we had every other app try and become TikTok and now TikTok is trying to become the other apps. And I don't know how it's going to go for them, honestly. I was seeing people like creators I follow tweeting today. I go to TikTok for short videos. I go to YouTube for long videos. I do not care to watch YouTube shorts. I do not care to watch TikTok longs, I think is what the joke is that they say. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this goes and if creators take it up and yeah, what TikTok does with it. I think yours is, your have you heard for the day is in a similar vein though, Miguel. Yeah. So mine is about IGTV, Instagram TV. You may have heard of it. You may have, every time that you're on Instagram, I feel like they were trying really, really hard to kind of like push on this IGTV. Make it a thing. Uh, make it a thing. Well, despite their best efforts, uh, IGTV, which was announced in 2018, now in the 2022 year of our Lord, it is now defunct. They have decided that they do not want to have, I think they're still going to have some version of IGTV on the Instagram app. I think the hardest sell was, hey, download an entirely different app just for IGTV. Can I confess something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that it was a separate app. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that existed. <laughs> well, chalk that up to the failure of, of Meta to really yep. uh, send people over. I mean, they, Instagram's tried this before. I think they they have other companion apps to Instagram. Like I think they have like that layout app so that you can do oh, yeah. you know, multiple mm -hmm. things, but that's usually kind of like a tool that helps you kind of like fine tune your, your content and then put it back on Instagram. This is just like a whole nother app. This actually made me think of something else since we're on the topic of this. And one thing that I've always wanted Instagram to have is an iPad app. And it's like one mm. of those big things where everybody's like, why doesn't it have an iPad app. Whenever I try to look at it on my iPad, it's like that tiny little cropped version and you can zoom in and make everything look like the shit. the keyboard's massive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's like really grainy and low resolution, but hopefully this, this frees up some bandwidth for the Instagram team to maybe finally do an iPad app because from what I understand, the Instagram team is actually surprisingly small and compared to the other meta mm -hmm. things. So anyways, bye-bye IGTV. Hopefully, hello iPad app. 
You know, as annoying as this kind of stuff is, you got to give it to Meta or Facebook or Instagram or whatever we want to call them for like trying things out and failing and just moving on. True. You know, like that's, that's one thing that as a big company, I feel like can be hard to do. And they're like, no, we're going to do this. They can still be successful even if they fail because they're so massive. Um, But it is a really good lesson, I think, to learn. Like, I don't know. At least that's how I operate. I'm like, yeah, just try it. Doesn't have to be perfect. Like, you know, put it out there. I'm more of like a running gun kind of person. Mandy over here is is more of a perfectionist. You might learn that uh, in yes. this conversation, but uh, she doesn't put anything out unless it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> Anyways, that's a good segue. Let's move on to introducing again my dear friend Mandy Googler from, uh, like I said, Happy Happy Houseplant and Vintage Revivals. Mandy, why don't you kick us off with get, by giving us uh, an introduction of yourself and who you are, and we'll start there. Holy cow! I'm so excited. So I am Mandy Googler. I live in Santa Clara, Utah, the very southwest corner. For people that are unfamiliar with that part of Utah, it's um, I'm about 35 minutes outside of Zion National Park. Um, so it's very beautiful, very hot in the summer and dry. And I have a really wonderful, supportive, like the world's best husband and three children. I have an 18-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a six-year-old. And so we just have like a lot going on all the time. (laughs) I started Vintage Revivals in 2010 when blogs were very new. Um, And the only way to find other blogs was through like linky parties. And there was no social media. It was just blogs. And you had kind of this like really beautiful community like the comment section you got to know people so well and it was just like your it was like your people and so since then we've like grown vintage revivals and I don't know what else do you (laughs) what are what are some of the like biggest successes that vintage revivals has had just to give give the people like some you know context to like where it started and where it is now So when I started, I literally had zero DIY skills. Like I actually didn't know anything. And I would go to the thrift store and buy really ugly furniture and spray paint it like a crazy bright color and glaze it. I don't think you remember glazing. That was very fun. Little trend for a while. And slowly over a decade, our projects got bigger and bigger and bigger. So five years ago, we bought a building the Santa Clara Mercantile Store. So it's a hundred-year-old mercantile that had kind of been relatively abandoned for the better part of 25 years and decided to turn it into our house. So we did that. We actually did a TV show with Magnolia. The show is called In With The Old and our episode is the first episode. So they they um, have a whole bunch of footage from when we started the renovation that we filmed ourselves. And then they came in and filmed the second half of the renovation. And it is so beautiful. It makes me cry every single time I watch it. So that's probably like our biggest thing. It's huge. You know, just lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. So to give you more context though, like her style of DIY, if you aren't familiar, is that like she did cut and designed and did all the flooring in her entire house to include like penny tile and like raw wood and like designed it all like nobody ever came in and was like I'm gonna lay floors in her house I'm gonna do the sheetrock I'm gonna do this like they literally did everything we 
in our bathroom, in our primary bathroom, we actually made our own tile. Like, cause I couldn't find the color that I wanted and the size that I wanted. And we were on like a crazy deadline with the show. And so we, we made our own tile. So like those kind of projects, I just really love the experience of creating things. Like I built this couch <laughs> and I, I feel like I definitely am not a trend follower. I'm usually a few years ahead of trends when people are like, what? That's weird. And then people catch on like mm. a few years later. So maybe like now you can buy those tiles in the right color and size, but like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, you're right. I was just uh, thinking maybe I should buy a warehouse and turn it into my house. So you're you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Tell the people for, because this will like kind of set the stage for the where the rest of the conversation goes, but tell the people like your different streams of income that you had with Vintage Rivals. So sponsorships, right? So on and so forth. Um, traffic, you know, kind of give like a general idea of just what the income streams were that you had. Yeah. So definitely the majority of our income was with sponsored content. We, I kind of took an approach really early on that was very different from what a lot of my peers were doing, where I made a list of companies that were like my dream companies to work with. And that I like worked with them or held out until I could work with them. So like, most of my partnerships I've had for the better part of a decade. So we do um, stuff every year with Sherwin-Williams because their paint is the best. We do stuff with the Home Depot. And that was something that was really important to me when everyone was like talking about all these different paint lines and different posts. And, and for me, that just felt really inauthentic and like, hmm. like you're clearly just doing this because you're getting paid. Like, what do you actually like? Um, so it was really important for me to have like stuff that I really stood behind. And so that works out really well with sponsors. I mean, at first I felt like everyone was getting all of these like small opportunities and I was working for free paint, but in the long run, way better guys, (laughs) way, way better. So that was something that I, that I did. And I think that that helped a lot with what our sponsorship rates were and just kind of the expectations that we set. Haley will tell you, I, I, like she mentioned, I am very much a perfectionist in that I don't, I will work at something until it is exactly what I want it to be before I share it. And that's really hard for a creative because I'm also not a planner and I'm like not consistent. So it, it creates a situation that thankfully my, my partners that I've worked with, my sponsorships, they understand that they have to give me a deadline to a week to two weeks before they actually need the content. Cause I get this crazy rush of inspiration right at the very end. (laughs) I change everything. Give me like three more days. And I'm their favorite and also their least favorite because I, (laughs) I deliver really great, amazing content. And also I will never send them an invoice. Because I just forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great for the brands involved. But it sounds like for, for Vintage Revivals, the majority of your income was coming from sponsorships and from like essentially promoting other people's products. Yeah, Whereas- we, we definitely did. We had um, 
a fair amount of traffic, you know, like we made, we made an okay, or we still make an okay amount just like on um, ad revenue and, and that kind of stuff. But, and we had a few different products that we launched um, that were kind of like this DIY slash buy version where like, here's the tutorial to do this. And also if you want to buy it, you can buy the finished. Nice. That was really interesting for me because um, up until we launched that like a couple of years ago, my audience only ever came to me for projects. Like me selling them a product that we that we designed, that was like really abnormal. And so kind it was kind of like one foot on either side of the fence, right? Like here's the DIY if you want to DIY something. And also if you want to buy it, here is the link and you can buy it from our shop. So we did that with a few different products, which was great. But yeah, that was that was like the majority of how we made money. Definitely sponsorships was like our biggest. Yeah. And then if you had to like sum up as far as vintage rivals go, you know, one of the biggest challenges and which which will kind of like help us transition into what you're doing now with Happy Happy Houseplant was that you were in this situation where in order for you to continue, like you always had this mega massive project going. So you were like the definition of a content hamster wheel, meaning like you were constantly either creating something and doing something, building something for the Merc. And then you were also writing the content for the last project that you did to meet a deadline. But then you had to start another project and it was not sustainable in that it was your house. Like you were trying to get it done because it was your like place. Like most of your content came around like projects around your house. So like it does make it a little bit more like exciting versus other types of DIY projects. But you lived in that world of like content hamster wheel, right? Like you were just constantly. And truthfully, I really love the creative process. Like for me, I'm not driven by money or status or really anything other than experience. I love learning new things. And so to take on a project, like figuring out how to make tile, like that is when I am my best self is when I'm like trying to do things and failing and like reworking things. And, and so I really, I feel like the reason I was able to do vintage revivals for a decade is because every project was a new project. And I rarely did projects um, that were the same. You see that a lot with people who constantly are like publishing really, really similar content, really similar build plans, all of that kind of stuff. And for me, um, I just wanted to do cool stuff. So it worked out really well. Things took a definite shift for me I would say when we were filming the TV show, because we had such a tight, hard deadline to get our renovation finished. We could only get so far in, in the renovation before they had to come and film again. And Mm. so it was, it was really hard and renovation just by itself is freaking exhausting. Like it is hard just in and of itself. And then like, I had to document everything for Vintage Revivals and then also the show. Like it was just a lot and it made me just kind of burn out a little bit. And I'm so grateful that for the year prior to filming, like we had been working on Happy Happy Houseplants so that when I really was like, 
I have to step away from this because I can't mentally and emotionally do it right now. We had this other business that was doing great and that like fills me up and and I still get to like use all the skills that I've developed. And so that's um, been such an amazing blessing. Because how many times, Haley, was I like, I don't think I can do both of these. It's so hard. I know. I know. We met in, um, you guys, Miguel and Charlie, you've heard this story, but ConvertKit was actually sponsoring. And actually, it wasn't a sponsorship. We get to go to, like, ConvertKit pays for us to go to a conference for our own our own education. And I think I went to a conference, um, Alt Summit, and I went with my good friend, Kirsten Grove, who runs a popular blog called Simply Grove, and she's a designer as well. And Kirsten and Mandy knew each other. And um, I, I was pregnant at the time with with my two and a half year old. And so Kirsten and I were doing our thing and they knew each other. And then we just somehow pretty much connected and hung out the entire conference. Like that was a pretty much all we did. And we started talking about, I'll never forget it. It's actually funny. If you go back on like Kirsten's Instagram, there's a post somewhere where it's like her documenting Mandy and I just talking about plants for like <laughs> literally for like hours, you know? And she was like a third wheel. We were just like, just talking plants all the time. And I think at that conference, we were sitting watching, I don't remember who was like on the main stage or something, but we were somewhere and obviously there, they weren't memorable. The conversation that Mandy and I were, was memorable about like killing ferns or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And we started talking about digital products, you know, Mm -hmm. about like how you make money selling digital products. And that's where she was kind of referencing having like one foot in the door about, you know, selling like plans to something that she was doing versus like vintage revivals where she was just putting out content. And um, we started talking about like what that could look like. And then uh, I'll never forget, she called me and we were like in my sunroom and we were talking about this idea and then happy, happy houseplant, this like general idea or loose idea, just kind of like formulated and we're like, let's run with it. And as everyone here on the podcast knows, um, I've obviously since left the partnership business, whatnot, and Mandy, <laughs> Mandy ran with it. And she now is in a situation where her primary business, not the vintage revivals, has, I don't want to say sunset. It's not like you sunset vintage revivals because you certainly still manage content and produce and share content on vintage revivals. But you moved into this more sustainable business model where you took this audience that you had from vintage revivals and you moved it over to this other business that serves you differently to where now what you're doing is educating people, but also selling physical goods. So you don't have like one foot all in one thing or one foot all in the other. You're actually doing two things where you're, like I said, educating them. That's the content that you're sharing. And then you're selling the physical goods. And I think it's a really interesting it's, it's a fabulous business model. Um, yeah. But talk to us about how like that has like really changed your life. Yeah, I'm curious to hear what's more sustainable about it for you. Because to me, I'm like, so you turned one business into two and somehow that makes things better? What? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really interesting. So before we went to Alt Summit and I met Haley and we were like instant soulmates, I have some friends who are food bloggers and food bloggers are the best and they make all of their money from ads like traffic to their site and like it makes you want to kind of throw up a little bit when you when you're hearing how much money they're making just from traffic so i got really heavy into seo um, and figuring out how to optimize the content that i was publishing and plant content has really high search and 
So I was originally creating these kind of quick guides on vintage revivals that still get a lot of traffic. I probably should go back and like update them and change some of the information I'm sure that I shared that's not complete. So I was originally going that direction. I was going to like turn vintage revivals into this DIY and plant space because um, the reason is because plants are such a huge part of a well-designed space. Like Hmm. you have to have life in a Charlie, your wall would not look nearly as cool if you didn't have that monstera behind you. Right. Agreed. Yep. (laughs) Like, right. Well-designed. You have this beautiful art gallery wall with all these amazing, like, you know, designers that you've loved and you have a plant covering up like at least a third of them. I have a plant covering up an Anthony Burrell. I felt like there was this huge chasm between like people who were in my space that were not plant people, but they knew that they could get traffic by sharing plant content and they wanted to be helpful. Like they wanted to tell people how to take care of the fiddly fig that they just shot in their living room. And so there was a lot of incorrect information being shared. And then the plant space is extremely overwhelming if you don't care about the science of plants like you just want to keep a plant alive in your house so that your house looks beautiful um and I was like oh guys I can do this like I can straddle this chasm because I understand these people and I understand these people and like let's marry it into um really relatable information that's actually like real so then talking to Haley Talking about digital guides, I was like, heck yes, totally going to do a digital guide for vintage revivals. That was the plan. So then talking to her, and I love big ideas, like no idea is too small. Like for sure, give me a hundred year old building made out of dirt and like, let me turn it into my house. And so talking to Haley and kind of figuring out what this could potentially turn into was so fun. And Then it went from being a digital guide to being its own business to being a business with product, which was something really interesting because for so long, I knew that I needed to have a physical product. I have a really good friend who's been such a great mentor to me, Jenny Comenda from Juniper, Juniper Print and also Juniper Home. And she, when she started her print shop, I remember talking to her and she was like, you have to have a physical product. Like it is so much better than just doing sponsorships and being kind of on this content creation hamster wheel. And so I just for some context real quick though, Jenny's business is, is that she sells either um, digital downloads of artwork or the same artwork that she will ship to you printed on a specific type of like paper that's beautiful and well-designed. And then she provides um, like Ikea style kind of like directions on how you can get really large, beautiful artwork in your home for like a really fraction of the cost. So her, her business was right, both physical products and digital products. And she was mentoring Mandy into how to kind of like duplicate that version of her business into Mandy's business with a happy, happy houseplant and the monetary benefits of what that would actually look like. Yeah. And she had been blogging in the DIY home design space for a decade. So it was a very like seamless transition for her. And for so many years, I was like, I gotta have a product. What can I do? And I like tried all these different things and, and nothing really stuck until happy, happy houseplant. And it's just the best. 
And what is the product? So we have, we actually have quite a few products and are coming out with a lot of other really (laughs) cool, fun, exciting ones. Um, Our main product is called Plant Food. It is a fertilizer that is so amazing. And we sell it in this really cute starter kit because I know who our target demographic is. It is me. It is my sisters. It is people who want plants in their house to make their house beautiful. Like they're not the type of people who are going to like put a grow tent in their living room with like <laughs> blue and red lights. Like that's not my, those are not our people. Our people are people who want to know what cute planter they should get that has really all about education, right? Like your person was somebody that would buy a fiddle leaf fig 50 times over and kill it every time because every they're time, like, well, they like, I'm gonna put it because they like the look of it in the face, right? And, then, and when they would go to Home Depot, they would look at the back of like a soil or a fertilizer and be like, niacinamide or blah, 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 75% of polyphosphorus semina. And they're like, I don't know what any of this means. So I guess I just won't buy it. Or they're confused by it, right? That that was your your person. Your person didn't want to know or didn't want to understand the right. science behind fertilizer or soil or whatever. It was somebody that was like, I just want my house to be fucking beautiful. I want the results. I just don't want to have to learn about plant fertilizer on top of taking care of my kids and keeping my house up and doing projects and running carpool and all of that stuff like that's yeah i don't i don't care enough about it to to like have to do the research will someone just do the research like whenever so my wife is way better at this so whenever i have you know whenever i'm outside i'm just like just point at the ones you want me to water and then tell me the ones (laughs) i shouldn't water and then just like tell me how often I should do it. And then she starts like getting into like, well, this one you sometimes have to water, but don't. But it also depends on if it rained recently and like how much sunlight it's getting. But sometimes if it's a cloudy day, I'm just like, all right, I'm out. Just tell me what I put water on, please. I just like <laughs> I just I don't I, I want them to live, but I don't care enough to like really get into the right. to the nitty gritty about it. There's just so tell me what to do and I'll do it. Exactly. So that's kind of what Happy Happy House Plant is. Like I learn everything and then I filter it through like Gossip Girl analogies. And we're sharing the best information that actually helps people. We have the most amazing products and we're coming out with like (laughs) some really, really exciting ones. And it's working because it because it's what people want. You want to idiot proof the product. You don't want a product that doesn't make the thing actually easier to do. It's just another thing to learn. I'm just like, ugh. it's for for me. And like in my world, it's like software. It's like, what good is a software tool that I have to like spend the entire day in like some knowledge base learning how it works? I just 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 show me some buttons to do the thing that I want to do. And then anything that's difficult to learn, I want I want you to make it easy for me. You know, and if if it requires more work, then then this tool isn't helping. It's just another homework assignment. Yeah, really, at the end of the day, what Mandy did is she solved a problem for her audience. Right. And the problem was, is that I don't know how to take care of plants. I want my house look to look to look pretty, you know, and so I'm going to dumb down this really complicated information and I'm going to make it really easy and really consumable for you to understand. So beautiful. Like. We spend so much time on product design and like customer experience when they're opening 
the package. Like we have a different new sticker and insert. <laughs> and like, I mean, all the time, anytime we have to reorder anything, because I think that that is like, I mean, that's what I want. I want something that works and that is easy to use and that adds to like the aesthetic of my house and makes me feel like I am doing a good job. And that's kind of what Happy Happy House Plant does. So it's really, it's been really fun. So fun. And is the reason that it um, has been more sustainable for you because you've built, you've hit on this product that your audience wants, right? It's perfect for them. So it's kind of like, you're not struggling for every sale. Like the sales are coming in from the content you're already producing. And you have to rely less on the sponsorships, on like getting the right sponsor, on making sure you're getting the traffic and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's definitely different than a a sponsorship type business model because, well, first of all, like we were doing hard renovation, which is a a lot. And so I um, just like not doing that and being able to like repot a plant and like that's my content that I created for the day. (laughs) I would take that over... um over like hand cutting 10,000 different like individual pieces of wood to design yes. like a star floor. <laughs> totally. It's so different. It's so different. And so it, it helps it so that I can focus more on product and on like working with um, my team and our chemist and like all of this stuff that makes it so that we can do really cool things. And so I feel like it's just so different. And I'm going to try to not cry, but the best part of all of it is that I feel like I'm just giving people the information and the tools and then they're taking it and they like can take care of plants now. Like they get new leads on their plants. And so they share it in stories and they send me messages and I don't even have a worry. <laughs> Or how beautiful that is for me to know that like this person feels great about themselves because yeah. they were able to figure out how to get their stupid fiddly fig to stop dropping leaves. <laughs> like it makes me so happy. And so I um we always are resharing stories like that people tag us in every day. We share our stories and it's like great for advertising of course you know because like people love seeing seeing those results but for me the reason that I share them is because I want those people to know that like I saw that and I'm so proud of them because it's a big deal it's a big deal when um when you like take something that you struggled with and then you figure it out and you're proud enough to share it like I just (laughs) it makes me so happy and you know what Mandy, that genuine emotion that you're showing right now, it comes through in your content. Cause like I said, I've been following your content and like the way you, I, I was joking before when I was like pointing out the yellow leaf. Cause I know from following your content that you wouldn't actually judge me for it. And that, that's what's beautiful about, about what you're doing and like, yeah, how you're making people feel about plants is, is because it comes from this genuine place. You're not sharing this content because you want to sell the product you're sharing it because you genuinely want to help. And the product is just another way that you want to help. So yeah, you're doing, you're doing a wonderful thing. 
And you know what? It's so funny because it is scientifically for, for anybody out there that's listening that needs to hear this. It's scientifically proven that plants make you happy, right? Like I'm not going to give the science back to just, you know, like it boosts your serotonin, whatever. Plants are scientifically Oxygen, proven yeah. Yeah, to make you happy. <laughs> Hence the name happy, happy houseplants. So when you repeatedly you buy this thing, or let's say you were given a gift, um, oftentimes plants are given gifts um, to people when you lose a loved one, right? Right. Um, and let's say that you, like you want or you you lose a loved one and you take one of their plants, a pothos, some like for the most part, like a pretty easy plant to take care of and you kill it. That's the worst feeling in the world. Right. When you repeatedly murder a plant, <laughs> you know, like like how many, you know, it's like it's like we have we have a slack group at, at work called Plant Kit convert kit, plant kit, you know, and lots of people will come on there and do what Miguel did. And they'll be like, Oh, I killed a cactus. I have a terrible, like, you know, they're all, everybody is so genuinely like, oh, how could I do this? I killed it again. In the grand scheme of the world, like they're just plants. The point is, is that we live really heavy lives. Like whether the life is, we're living a life because of what's happening in Ukraine or because of the COVID the last two years, or because, you know, like insert issues with parenting, insert issues with mental health, right? All those things. These little sorts of wins, these little wins where you accomplish something that you are in full control of are things that actually like make you feel good and proud of yeah. yourself. And if Mandy was able to do that with happy, 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 happy houseplant to hundreds of thousands of people that have bought plant food to date, maybe not quite hundreds of thousands, but I feel like you're probably close there. You know, plants are this universal love language is what it was, yeah. what it is. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that creators have a strong emotional connection to the things that they do. Because if you feel passionate enough about something to make it what you do, then you are really invested in it, probably more than most people would be. And plants are one of those things that like, unlike most things, they grow and they change. And they're a reflection of the effort that you put into them. And that's why they're so special. I mean, I'm not really even a plant guy, but we had this plant that I bought for when we had a crappy apartment in Seattle. And our apartment, like our coffee table was like the box that we put our clothes in. And I just put like a little, like a little sheet over it. I'm like, boom, coffee table. But I walked down to a flower shop and I bought a little plant and I'm like, and I put it on that little coffee table. And that little guy like came with us 3000 miles when we drove all the way back to Florida and he was doing so great and he was doing so good. And I don't know what happened, but eventually I think he got some bugs on him or something and he died. And I was like destroyed because it was more than just a plant. It was, uh, he went, he came so far from Seattle and it was like, he was our little, he was our one plant in our little crappy apartment. And so like we get emotionally attached to these things. And as creators, like to zoom out out of the whole plant thing is just creators as a whole, they put their like soul into something. And it really matters a lot when they connect with other people on that same level about that thing they care a lot about. Whether it's a piece of furniture that you build, a plant that you grow, uh, a video that you make on YouTube. And yeah, Alejandro said something about it too here. Thanks for highlighting that, which is creator-led businesses connect better and solve actual problems because creators care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's obvious, right? It's obvious through, through the content creators make that that care is there, which is why Mandy's obviously hit on something so special. It's been such a fun transition for me and I'm actually trying to figure out what to do next um Ooh. 
So Jenny always, always. <laughs> Jenny told me like, would it have been like two years ago, Haley? Yeah, probably. She, she was like, you will not be able to do both vintage revivals and happy, happy house, but you will have to choose um, hmm. because it's not sustainable. And you should choose happy, happy houseplant. And it was so hard for me because my identity was vintage revivals. Like I was Mandy from vintage revivals. People knew me. People knew like that name. Yeah. It meant. Oh, we'd go to conferences and like at at Alt Summit, literally people would flock to her and they're like, it's Mandy. (laughs) It's Mandy. And I'm like, I I mean, Charlie, you've experienced this to some level, you know, like this, like celebrity, like people are so attracted to you in that way. Like you are Charlie Marie. Only at little nerdy design conferences. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like I'd be like standing there on the side next to her and be like, are they done yet? Are they done yet? No, they're not done yet. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I'm finally there two years later after like wrestling and working through it because that is who I was. And obviously I'm so much more than just that, but like that was, that's who I was. And it's really interesting with Happy Happy Houseplant because I, my face is on it all the time. I do stories and I'm like in my in-feed posts Um, But I went through this like little transition where I had our icon as our profile picture and I switched it to my own picture. I hated it. It didn't feel right. It felt like I was making it more about me. And I, for me, Happy Happy Houseplant isn't about me and my ideas and my plants and my answers. It's about helping people. And so I, I changed it back. Which I don't know. It was it was really interesting. That was like an interesting moment for me where I was like, huh, I wonder why this feels so off. Yeah, you're like settling into this new identity, right? And the business model has changed. And that means that as creators, we identify a lot with our businesses. I mean, I have a tattoo of the logo of my first creator business that I sunset like a few years ago and I wanted to like memorialize it, you know, we take on our business as our identity for better or worse some of the times. And so, yeah, I'm with you on that. There's still times that I'm like, I want people to like people who come to happy, happy houseplant don't know about vintage revivals. I didn't. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for me because I want to be like, guys, like I know what I'm doing. And like, I, <laughs> I have like credibility in this space and I'm not just, I don't know. It's interesting. So I, I still like wrestle with that sometimes. Sometimes like if I'm showing something in our house and people are like, oh my gosh, what is this place? And then I'm like, oh, we did a show on Magnolia, like vintage revivals. Like it's like, Oh yeah. I'm also a DIY blogger, you know, or yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I don't know. I don't know how to balance it. Figuring it out still. And on Vintage Revivals, it was a lot more personal. Like we shared, my husband is a recovering addict. So I shared his story about recovery. We've shared stuff about our family. Um, He would like dance on Instagram stories all the time, like shirtless and was such a (laughs) part of all of it. And he is not, like we don't do that on Happy Happy Houseplant. And so I also, I'm still yeah. figuring it out. 
Yeah. I'd imagine that there's, that's for sure a double-edged sword because you're removing like, well, for one, like court is a people's favorite. Like he's quite the entertaining character and yeah, he's for sure the star of the show in a lot of the cases, but having happy, happy houseplant definitely does. It gives you something back by taking you out of it. It gives you for sure. Like a part of you back. I imagine like a celebrity, you know what I mean? Like our, our filmmaker, Henry always says, he's like, I want to be, he goes, I want to be the guy at the table that is the most famous guy at the table, but nobody knows who I am. I'm like the richest. No one knows who I am. And then I get up and I leave and he goes, and I'm around sitting with all these famous actors. And then all the people and paparazzi follow them. And I just walk home. He's like, that's who I want to (laughs) be. I love that. I literally take a nap every single afternoon. I never could do that when I was doing vintage revivals. That is a marker of success. <laughs> yeah. But like happy, happy hospital, I get to take a nap. It's the best. So That's amazing. I think to wrap this up, this has been so amazing. But I think when Mandy got emotional, I think that really summarized like the the value of this episode, which is when you care about the content that you're creating for the people that you're creating for, that's going to come across and that's going to ultimately be a, a mega marker of success, right? Or a differentiator of success. And when you are building a brand and you're building it around serving people, like the most successful people in the world, I would argue are servant hearted people mm-hmm. and creators tend to have that quality often. And I think that's one of the reasons why, quite honestly, ConvertKit's had as much success as it has is because we build our business by creators, for like for creators, by creators. And Nathan, as a leader, is one of the most servant-hearted leaders that that I've for sure ever worked for. And so I think that that um, is, a, is a big differentiator and the biggest takeaway for me from this episode. So Mandy, you're amazing. Thank you so much for this Thank conversation. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. Our next like kind of little two bullet points, we've definitely, this might be our longest podcast episode uh, yet. No surprise, because when Mandy and I talk, we'll like sit there and talk for um, <laughs> hours. But uh, normally we do a listener shout out and I'm going to pull up this banner. So you guys, this pretty link, so you can go on there, find yourself for anybody that is not visually watching. It's convert convertk.it slash listener shout out. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes for sure. Um, go in there and submit some wins that you've had um, recently. So that way we can share with the community and they can check out your content. We would love that. And next week we are going to be um, back up potentially there where there we're kind of a, a scheduling, figuring out um, if it's going to work with hopefully um, our guest, Thomas Dillon, who is a producer and the engineer for all things creator sessions. Um, he's also the better half or no other half, not better half, other half of <laughs> Alyssa. Um, yeah, who, who, yeah, sorry, the other half of uh, Alyssa um, who handles deliverability to find, which, which y'all got to meet was a couple weeks ago. Um, on the podcast so all that said we will see you friends oh mandy share where everybody can find you obviously oh, you said happy, yes. happy house plan a thousand happy times happy but tell the people. yep happy happy houseplant.com is our website and shop and just happy happy houseplant everywhere and vintage revivals also everywhere <laughs> yeah and if you want to see the amazing stuff that she's built like i said go watch that magnolia episode what is it called? Turning old, uh, old into new. In with the old. It's on Discovery if you don't yeah. have cable. Yeah, and you can get a, a good a good show of, of Court and their family and their beautiful house and this amazing living wall. Mandy, show your screen just a little bit so people can see the rest, like the plants to the, the side of you if they're watching. All right, bye friends. See ya. Bye, see you next week. See ya.
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.